Love the cases. Love the clauses. Love the adverbs and the antecedents. Love the words. From ELFM. Hello and welcome to Love the Words here on East Leeds FM. Tonight, uh, a powerful piece of radio drama produced by the Generation Squad at Fall Into Place Theatre Company. Uh, Fall Into Place are based up in Kentmere Community Centre in Seacross. We've done a lot of really uh, interesting collaborative work with them over the last six months and they should be well proud of this piece produced with better songs under lockdown. After Gallipoli, we'll be hearing a new piece by Jimmy Andrex called Albert Hammond, which looks back to the year 1973 in music. You're listening to Love the Words on East Leeds FM. If I should die, think only this of me, that there's some corner of a foreign field that is forever England, there shall be. In that rich earth, a richer dust concealed, a dust whose England bar, shaped, made aware, gave once her flowers to love, her ways to roam. A body of England's breathing English air, washed by the rivers, blessed by sons of home. And think this heart all evil shed away, a pulse in the eternal mind no less, gives somewhere back the thoughts by England given. Her sights and sounds dreams happy as her day, and laughter, learnt of friends and gentleness, in hearts at peace under an English heaven. Puffing and panting, you sound like a dog on its last legs. Sorry. No, it's going to be all right. I must think it'll be safer on the beach than this very old boat. Never heard so much creaking in my life. <laughs> We're getting close. Ready? Okay. Come on, into the water. Ah, it's deep. Come on. Where are you? I can't see you, James. Where are you, James? I'm here, come on. Come on, quickly, come on. All right, all right, all right, all right. Settle, settle down, settle down, you lot, come on. Right. Thank you. So, as I was saying, the Gallipoli campaign led to a huge loss of life. 302,000 Allied soldier casualties. You got something to say, Zach? I'm just sick of studying the war, sir. 
it's not very entertaining, is it? All these numbers and stuff that happened like a million years ago. And I just don't get how it's relevant to my life, if I'm being honest. Well, I appreciate your honesty, Zach. Let me see if I can make it more relevant and entertaining, as you put it. Basil, how old are you? 16, sir. 16. Uh, do you think that you're old enough to travel somewhere on your own? What, like in the bus to town? No, I was thinking more of Turkey. Turkey? I don't know. I'll probably get lost. Okay. And River, do you think you're old enough to fire a gun? No, I wouldn't know how to fire a gun. I'd love to fire a gun, sir. I want to go to one of them places where you shoot the targets. I think I'd be good at that. And what about shooting a person? Shooting a person, sir? <laughs> it doesn't matter what age you are. You shouldn't shoot a person, sir. But what if the government told you to? What if everyone in your family told you to do it? What if everybody else in this classroom was going to do it? Would you do it then? I don't, I don't know, sir. Oh, we don't want to lose you, but we think you ought to go for your king and your country. Both need you so. We shall want you and miss you, but with all our mind and main, we shall cheer you, thank you, keep you when you come back again. Why Beach? Why Beach, the Scottish boarder cried while panting up the steep hillside, why beach? To call this thing a beach is stiff, it's nothing but a bloody cliff, why beach? <laughs> that is good cake, pass my compliments to Elizabeth. Right then, so where were we? The landings. Uh, right, uh, let's move this battalion here. Where are we going? Up this hill? Ah, oh, looks too dangerous. Those were the orders. Uh, no, my sorry, my mistake. Here. Orders have changed. Pull back. What? We're heading up that hill now. Oh, where's the officers? I don't know. Sir, sir, sorry to sir. Let's just land on this beach, yes. But it could be quite as well as that. I think they might need to pass on quickly to get to high ground. Sir, sorry to interrupt, sir. Whichever way is quickest, we've got plenty of men. Even if we lose a few, we can make the attack. On this hill, right? Which way? Where are we going? This hill, sir. Uh, right, they all look the same to me. Where's the rest of the lads? We got split up. I don't know. We need to find cover. Make the attack and we've got Turkey knocked out the war. Eyes on the prize, gentlemen. Sir, I'm really sorry. It's just that... What? What? What for Pete's sake? Sir, it's the wrong map. Oh, heck, why didn't you say anything before? Sir, I tried. Look, I've got no time for this. Just stick to the plan. It'll go fine. That'll be all. Yes, yes sir. I guess it was the reaction of the last few hours, but I found myself racked with unmanly sobbing. 
I don't know why. I don't think it was so much the thought of all the chaps I'd known as kids and now left there. All the thousands of the other blokes who'd never breathe the air again. I don't know what it was. It could have been grief. But most, I think, was the dreadful feeling of the shame of it all. The British Army having to evacuate the peninsula like this. And after all this gigantic wasted effort, such things hurt a soldier more than you'd think. Even an amateur soldier like myself. It's a long way to Tipperary, it's a long way to go. It's a long way to Tipperary, to the sweetest girl I know. Goodbye Piccadilly, farewell Leicester Square. It's a long, long way to Tipperary, but my heart's right there. Pack up your troubles in your old kit bag and smile, smile, smile. While you've a Lucifer to light your fag, smile, boys, that's the style. What's the use of worrying? It never was worthwhile. So pack up your troubles in your old kit bag and smile. Smile, smile. Well, you're getting that tea all over the place. Well, you try pouring with all this going on. You'll never court a lady if you don't work on your etiquette. Mm, do Turks drink tea? Who knows? Imagine if this were a beer. Oh, don't. What I'd give for a nice cold beer right now. I'd settle for a bucket of ice thrown over my head. Better too hot than cold. Speak for yourself, I'm sweating bullets. Can have all the etiquette in the world, won't help if I'm drenched. Oh, Jeb, you sweaty beast. Letters, chaps. There's one for you, Will. If there's anything romantic in there, please don't share it. I do not want to be throwing up today as well as having the runs. Lovely. Dear William, nothing new to report here really. Mother managed to get hold of a chicken this week, so we should be having that for dinner. I've been trying to fix up my best dress ready for my sister's wedding, but I'm terribly amateur. It looks like little Sally had a go at it. I hope you're prepared for this when we marry. Whilst I have many fine attributes, I fear needlework isn't one of them. Hey, it's not that bad, Marge. Are we both looking at the same dress? Just wear a big fine hat and no one will notice. Would you like to buy an apple, sir? I'd love to, madam. How much are they? Six pence. Seems a little expensive, side madam. Eight pence. You've got your sister's haggling skills. Here you are. I'll go fetch your apple, sir. Do I pick fresh from the orchards? How wonderful. Have you found a house yet? I told you, when I start work for the police, you move into the house they provide. Oh, I'm not living there. It's too porky. There's no light. Marjorie. I'll speak to your supervisor. What's his name? You will not. I will. Get apples, sir. Marjorie. 
I wonder if some lace would help hide the awful stitching. You have to eat it. Is it to your liking, sir? Mmm, delicious, thank you. Marjorie, I'm Blythe. You will not be stubborn about this. Me? Stubborn? What a thing to say. I'm the most easygoing person I know. Mmm. 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 I'm, I'm thinking of joining, supporting the boys. Supporting how? Oh, they need food for the boys. I'll be a cook. Can I join? Oh, yeah. I'll sneak you in my suitcase, lass. Not sure what I think about you being surrounded by young men. Oh, don't be daft. I want to help. They need help. That's all there is to it. Well, I can see your mind is made up already. Yes, it is. And that's that, I'm afraid. So before when you said you weren't stubborn? Oh, I'm not stubborn in the least. As long as I have everything my way, I'm more than happy to change my mind. Well, anything to report, lads? No, just uh, usual stuff, fixing up clothes, that sort of thing. I wish I had someone to write me, other than me mother. Maybe if you learn to make a decent brew. At least I know how to farm my own gun. Should have seen him yesterday, took one shot and fell over. Did not. See the pyramids along the Nile. Watch the sun rise on a tropic isle. Just remember, darling, all the while. You belong to me. See the marketplace in old Algiers. Send me photographs and souvenirs. Just remember till a dream appears. You belong to me. Thanks for joining us here in 1915 and here we are at the pinnacle of the Gallipoli campaign. Amongst the Allies we've got a Yorkshire regiment, the Green Howards playing today, including some young men from Leeds. They are far from home today. So we're almost ready now. It's the Allies against the Turks today. It's going to be an interesting battle this one. Who will come out on top? Let's see. And here the Allies arrive. Oh, they aren't off to the best start here. The Turks are starting strong with immediate fire. Let's see how the Allies respond. What's their next move? Oh, it seems the Allies are a bit taken aback by the Turks' immediate offence. Not looking as prepared as I've seen before, I have to say. Some seem to be on the defence and seeking shelter. Some are sadly already out of the game, just minutes into play. Some of the Allies seem to be coming inland, though, and making trenches. Could be promising play for them. But they've got a long way to go to get up that hill to victory. Will they make it? Many of the men are looking tired now, thirsty, many looking unwell. Not a good starting point, but onwards they go. It seems the Allies are heading uphill now. Risky strategy. Wait, what's this? The Allies have split. 
I don't believe it. There seems to be some confusion here, and it may have cost them greatly. And the Turks see their advantage. Oh, and that's the whistle. That's time. Both sides draw back. Wait, what am I seeing? Surely not. A Turk and an Englishman carry on and wrestle each other in no man's land. They don't look to be in good shape. And they're down, totally spent. The boys are no match for the mud we have here today, folks. But what now? Ooh, I don't believe this. The Turkish and English players are moving back into no man's land to fetch their men. Get them, lads, fight! Why aren't they fighting? So close they could touch. We haven't seen anything like this before, ladies and gentlemen. They retreat with their wounded soldiers peacefully. Unbelievable. The Allies shout to the Turks. Oi, do you want some chocolate? The Turks shout back. Yes, please. Back to the Allies now. We're throwing it over now. Heads up. The parcel sails over. The Turks fire back. Got it. Thank you. Would you like some dates? Coming over. And the Allies land the throw. Got it. Thank you. Wow, it's good to see such sportsmanlike behaviour between the two sides here as we close play today. It's looking like a winning day ahead for the Turks tomorrow. It will be a long, cold night for the Allies tonight, I think. Certainly not looking good for those chaps as we close play today. Good morning, Zia. Good morning, Mehmet. You look unwell. Are you ill or is it the cold? I shivered in the night and could not sleep, but look, now we have some cold. Come and sit by the fire. No, not the cold. The lieutenant sent me to clear out the machine gun emplacement that was destroyed. There is just a narrow slit facing the enemy, but a shell came through there. I've been here for six months, Zia. I was in the first batch of replacements, but never have I seen such carnage. Terrible, terrible. Six dead, dismembered, parts of their bodies intermingled. Blood had drained from their bodies and chests and arms. Looked like wax. Shins and legs, seared by the explosions, were purple. Some bones had been stripped of flesh. The men's features were unrecognisable, pitch black. Ugh, that is bad. But we're still alive. Yes, but I think my time will come soon. Abdullah Khan was one of the bodies. I think now Mahmoud in the third company is the only man who came out with me. I'm not afraid to die, but not like that. A bullet, please. Perhaps you won't die. You have not been there as long as me. You can still smell the grain in the fields and hear the goats on the hillsides. When you have been there five months, you will know the world no does not care about us. Mehmet, the lieutenant cares. You see that he does. I think he cares too much. When I see his hollow cheeks and eyes sunken in yellow sockets, he'll do his best for us. 
Yes, the lieutenant is a good man, not like some. I heard Kukul Pasha and Kemal the Little gave a dinner for a hundred officers at the Kanalke town HQ, sent several military vehicles 20 miles to bring alcoholic drinks and had a military band play all through the meal. Those two will live and the lieutenant will die here with us. Perhaps you'll just get a small wound and then go home. Perhaps. Or perhaps the English will leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, that cannot be. The British Army, as well as 5,000 animals and 300 guns, had to be withdrawn in the face of the enemy, whose trenches were not more than 300 yards, and in some cases only five yards from the British line. The last boat shoved off from Anzac at 4am as a ton of high explosives went off under the Turkish position at Suvla. The last troops were off by 5am as day dawns, the beaches were emptied and the sea deserted. Hours later, the Turks discovered they were facing lifeless trenches. Duman? Duman? What's that? Water? Is it this? You want water? Duman! Hungry? Are you hungry? Oh. Oh. Right, where does it hurt? Me right arm and me lower back. Mm. Okay, I just need to check your pulse. Ow! Okay, good, thank you. Wait, you haven't checked me injuries? Sorry, love. I haven't got time to check that right now. At least I don't think I have. How do you know how bad my injuries are if you don't check? If you're talking, they're not that bad. This damn watch. Got a dicky ticker, love. The blasted thing won't work. I feel like everything's falling apart around here. Oh, tell me about it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this Turk. He doesn't speak a word of English. Oh, I really need the lav. Cover for me for a minute, will you? Doreen, can't you hold it? Two secs. No! Excuse me, could you tell me which beds I'm to tend today? Oh, I don't know. Sorry. Um, maybe those guys? I've got to check on the next ward now, so excuse me. Frank, you know you're my favourite, but you're getting on my nerves today. Well, that's not very nice, is it? Get back to your bed, Frank. You need rest. I don't have time to babysit you today. Just don't faint on me, all right? Chaplin, I'm so glad you're here. They won't tell me how bad my injuries are. I'm frightened. It's all right, son. You'll find refuge on Lemnos Island. Will you stay with me for a while? Of course. Ugh, Duman? Eh? No idea. He's been saying the same thing over and over all morning. He's after a cigarette. Demand smoke. Ah. I'm afraid I can't give you that, lad. 
Let's pray. Never did think I'd be sat here praying with the Turk. Funny old thing, life, isn't it? In the eyes of God, you were never enemies, really. We are all his children. Let us pray. Lord, I ask that you look over all these young men and give them the strength and hope they need to recover. Please send them love and comfort, Lord, in these uncertain times and return them home safely to their families where they belong. Amen. Thank you. Oh, so you do speak a little English then? Thank you. A very little bit. Oh, look, here's a picture of my fella. Isn't he so handsome? Oh, you never mentioned him, you dark horse. Well, he's so charming as well. He told me my eyes were bluer than the deepest seas. How poetic is that? Oh, where's that sick bucket got to? Here we go. Ladies, look at yourselves. Joking and laughing, it's a disgrace. We didn't mean any harm. Don't you care? These men could die, and all you two can do is gossip. You think we don't care? Oh, it's all right, Doreen. No, it's not. You don't know what we have to deal with. What we see, day in and day out, we see men crying out in pain. We see men dying every single day. You know how many Anzacs, they say, have passed through this island? 30,000. And I've loved them all in my own way. We send them off to Gallipoli and then nurse them when they come back. Some of them won't ever come back. And those that do, well, they're in bad shape. It's heartbreaking. We take care of anyone who needs it. Even if we don't understand them, we do our best. Nobody ever asks me my opinion, but if you ever did, I'd say there's no reason good enough for this suffering. This awful, pointless suffering. None at all. Yeah, we have to laugh, or it'd all be too much. I'd just curl up in a corner and sob my eyes out. It'd just be too unbearable. You know, a friend of mine was such a hoarder. He literally couldn't throw anything away. He died in the war, bless him. Holding on to a hand grenade. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible joke, Frank. Well, it made you laugh, so it can't be that bad. Nurse, we've got to the bottom of what this Turk's been saying. Frank says it means he wants a cigarette. Do man me smoke? Do man? How do you know that? I've been stuck here since the Anzac landings. I've picked up some Turkish in that time. Well, they're important words anyway. Very impressive. Doreen, our round's almost over. Better do the final checks. Good night, gentlemen. Good night, gentlemen. God bless. God bless. I wish you a restful night's sleep, gentlemen. See you tomorrow. God bless. Uh, do, do, ma'am? Oh, go on then. Not got many left, but it gives us a little peace and quiet, eh? Let's all have one and finish them off. Why not? Here, I've got a light. Thank you. Polite fella, ain't he? If he knows what it means. He knows. Call to my arms. 
The call to arms to fight for the motherland, islands of descendants of sugar plantation slaves, unrecognised victims of the First World War. The call up papers to fight for your country, pacifist descendants of Quakers, Shakers and more, unrecognised victims of the First World War. Calling young men to fight for the king, no future descendants of so many dead, unnecessary victims of the First World War. The unfathomable numbers lost fighting from the Commonwealth. I am a descendant of conscientious objectors, unrecognised heroes of the First World War. The calls to the coward fighting for conscience, descending into fear of a lifetime of shame, unrecognised victims of the First World War. What an amateurish do-it-yourself cock-up the whole conduct of this campaign must have been. From the time of the last big push on the Cape Hellas front, our complete lack of confidence in our superiors made us cynical, despairing and savage. We did our duty, but from now on we did it without hope, without enthusiasm. And that's a hell of a rot to set in with any army. Well, I've never seen you all so quiet. So, let me ask you a question, Year 11. Why is it relevant today? What can we learn from it? Sounds like a lot of people died for no reason. So, not, not doing that again would be a start. I have to think that someone my age never got to grow up, sir. That's why we remember them. All those young people, just like all of you. If the people in charge hadn't told them to do it, they wouldn't still be alive. Yeah, it seems like no one in charge cared about the soldiers at all. Perhaps, but did you know that Commander Ataturk allowed people back to Turkey to mourn their dead? He was considered a very reasonable leader at the time. But it's not true of all leaders, you're right. It's because they don't see the actual people doing it, I think so. They're just looking at maps and giving orders. They don't see anyone die, do they? It's a good point. You're very quiet, Zach. What do you think? I don't, I don't know how to say it, really. But in more than that, everything so, sounds so black and white. We were the allies and they were the enemies. We won, they lost. But it's not black and white. It's humans like actual people. And most of them don't have a clue what they're doing by the sounds of it. And their lives are just gone. Just like that. I saw this thing on Twitter saying that every life matters. Whether you're born here or in another country. Poor, rich, young, old. Every person's life matters. And I think that must be true. But how can every life matter in a way, in a war? And how do people learn that every life matters? Now that... It was a very good question.
Thank you for listening. This radio play was created by Fall Into Place Theatre and has been a Better Songs production. Thank you to the cast for your ongoing commitment and enthusiasm during what has been a challenging time for everyone. We would like to show our appreciation to the members of Generation Squad, Susan Phillips, Paige Beatty, Aisha Ali Sutcliffe, Julie Jones, Mandy Perry, Andrew Parkin and Peter Scott. Thank you to Chris Singleton and the Fall Into Place Teen Drama Group for your brilliant contributions. This production wouldn't have been possible without the support and guidance from Ian Binney and the Gallipoli Association. We would also like to thank Chapel FM for supporting us in our vision. You have helped us to bring our lockdown creativity to life and it has been a great experience. There will now be a Q&A session with the cast about the making of Gallipoli. the biggest challenge about this project? I guess moving it to lockdown has been the hardest thing for me because I like the physical aspects of theatre and being able to really interact with other people um, in, a, in, a, in a dramatic sort of physical way and a bit of acting that's what we joined drama group for. Do you see yourself in any of the characters? I don't as such see myself in the characters, but what I do see myself in is when you've got the Turkish soldiers and the ally soldiers making friends, sharing food, you know, that's just a basic humanitarian message um, that a lot of us today are trying to live our lives by. What are your opinions on the topic of war and how did they inform the piece you have created? Well, I don't think you'll find many people who these days will glorify war and I certainly would agree with that. Um, the particular campaign itself is even more poignant because of the level of muck-up that it was. <laughs> That's the polite term, to say the least. Um, and so it's uh, an appropriately sombre reflection, I suppose. So, war. It's a tough one because I was brought up in a Quaker pacifist family and so until I was maybe grown up I was completely against any kind of fighting or war but then some of the liberation movements and liberation armies made me think differently and that people get to a point of utter frustration where they can't have any power, they don't have any power and so they take action. So the wars I abhor the most are the ones where strong, rich, wealthy countries effectively invade other countries, supposedly to support one side or the other. And usually there's something else economic behind it altogether to do with world power and I really 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 think that we should be able to live without war 
Well, I think it really saddens me that in this day and age, we've still got war. I mean, war's a dated concept. War's something that we don't need in society now. It benefits few. It benefits people in pursuit of power and wealth right at the top. Ordinary people are sent out to pay the price with their lives for things that aren't, just shouldn't matter anymore, you know. So I think what we really wanted to get across in this play was a humanitarian message and an insight into the human beings that are involved. So you've got Turkish soldiers, you've got ally soldiers. Ultimately, they're both human beings and our lives are the same, you know. So creating these divisions to gain wealth and power, it's not necessary. And I hope that we can move forward to a point and learn from these stories to beyond the need for war. How has the experience been creating a radio play during lockdown? It's been a bit of a bizarre experience actually, because we've all been trapped in our homes for a long time. We are originally supposed to be performing this play to an audience live, you know, interacting. But, you know, we've been at home, so it's a strange thing. Everything's had to be adapted. And then the recording process, we're not in a studio, there's no microphones, we're talking into phones, laptops, iPads, in living rooms, kitchens, bathrooms, wherever. Um, and it's all being recorded. So it's, it's just quite a bizarre context. Because for now, I'm looking out, watching my neighbours in their garden whilst I'm talking to you. It has been fun, but also quite difficult over Zoom. I have been doing lots of video calls to college, which can be quite tiring. It's been nice to see everyone each week, and it is exciting to be on the radio. Did we learn something we didn't know already about the First World War? Well, I certainly did, because I didn't know about the Gallipoli campaign as such. And I guess learning about the mess that the uh, people in charge managed to create and the whole concept of both sides making friends with each other sometimes whilst fighting each other other times yeah Love the haiku, love the sonnet, love the quatrain and the couplet, love the words, from East Leeds FM. I'd forgotten this one.
Somewhere, a cunning CD compiler is punching the air as he contemplates which hat will best hide his baldness while I'm sitting in my car outside the butchers listening to a supermarket compilation called 1973 Best Year of My Life. It definitely wasn't. But what makes the nostalgia bearable is that, either through good taste or the necessity of filleting out the novelty records, TV tie-ins and the output of historic sex offenders, the mix is quite entertaining. Sonically, everything sounds fresh and bright, which isn't surprising as A, I now have hearing aids, and B, I heard all these the first time round on cheap transistor radios whose sonic qualities echoed the sound of the frying pans which also dominated our young lives. Albert Hammond's hit about how he gave it all up for music and the eponymous beat combo about which we learn little of value is one of those songs that didn't register at the time. Suddenly, aided by a modern sound system, the presence of bass, drums, piano and synthesizer are all magically revealed in the way that Narnia wasn't when I rooted round my MFI wardrobe looking for loose change. The breezy intro, all eight seconds of it, sprints into Albert's moving tale about how, despite being one of those privileged American brats who, to quote Don McLean, were born on third base but thought they did a triple, he'd seen through, like their bourgeois bullshit man, tuned in and dropped out. The lyrics, well-crafted and detailed, I can see now, were completely unintelligible at the time, given the limitations of medium wave and entry-level audio equipment, but the idea he'd given something up was clear enough. Yeah, brilliant, leave school, be in a band, yeah. The second verse goes on about school for a bit, when his dad arranges a college in the east. You get the idea he's rich and stuff, but still not having any, because instead he goes to California for the sunshine and the beach. You're still going, yeah, brilliant, but a hint of doubt's crept in now, because skiving off to go somewhere sunny on, like, holiday isn't really a sacrifice on the same scale as, say, Muhammad Ali refusing to go in the army. Anyway... Who can afford California? In 1973, we went to Markham, or, to be more precise, a caravan site outside the fence of Esham Nuclear Power Station and spent our evenings watching them dredge the harbour. We also, tellingly, didn't know what a nuclear power station was. The idea that Albert didn't know which side his baguette was buttered starts to grow. We're into the bridge now, no messing about, more whinging about mummy and daddy, a quick dig at civil engineers before telling how his lecturers could never understand him. His lecturers, mind. He's starting to sound like Trump, and the free electric band are shaping up to be one of those horrid combos full of middle-class boys who, given the choice between their hapless, strapless girlfriends and smoking weed with their mates, choose the herbal cigarettes and, even worse, seem to play too slowly. All this brings us to verse 4, and our sympathies, already evaporating like raindrops on heatwave flagstones, now dive into a cesspit of furious woke condemnation. He meets a girl in Barclay, in a social science class, where else? Then, chillingly, tells us how we got to know her body but her mind we didn't know. We? Who's the we? Visions of frat house opportunism come gang rape, hashtag me too, hashtag not him as well, prowl into the mind's eye before the male chauvinist four hippie has the brass neck to sneer how 
She wanted to get married, although she never said, and I knew her well enough by now to see inside her head. Forget Trump with air. He's turned into David Koresh now, communing carnally with nubile Branch Davidians and we're moments away from trying to save the poor girl's maidenhead with a clumsy, ill-advised assault until Albert steps back from martyrdom and, you've guessed it, gives her up for music and the free electric band. Of course, all of this insight is completely wrong. At the time... I dismissed him because, when he appeared on TV, he sat on a chair with an acoustic guitar. From my in-depth knowledge of the contemporary pop scene, gleaned from Top of the Pops, My Sister's Jackie and Disco 45 magazine, I knew that real pop stars stood up. Sitting on a chair with an acoustic guitar was for primary school teachers and things on BBC Two, which our telly didn't get. This is a bit unfair on Albert because with that internet they have now I've learned that he's one of pop music's most prolific hit songwriters. I also learned, with the sound of scales falling from eyes, that he's not even American and that, rather than the song being the idle boasts of an idle rich Ivy League dropout, our Albert is actually ahead of me in that he's written something by using his imagination. Ten years later I'd make the same mistake with Proust. A British-born, Gibraltar-based World War II evacuee, Albert, not Marcel, has co-authored more hit records than John Lennon and never written anything as privileged and awful as imagine. Mind you, Gimme That Ding, a hit in 1968 he co-wrote for the Pipkins, is hardly likely to feature in anything except CIA black ops once waterboarding has lost its edge. Leapy Lee's Little Arrows, Leo Sayers' When I Need You, Starship's Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now and Aswad's Don't Turn Around are all earworms that made Mr Hammond rich but not that famous. Many would consider him beyond the pale for penning To All the Girls I've Loved Before for Julio Iglesias and Willie Nelson but if writing hit records were easy, Anton Deck would have done it by now. Just for good measure, his son the imaginatively named Albert Hammond Jr., was in 2001's one-album wonders The Strokes, who, great though they were, couldn't come up with earworm to save their loose, elegantly wasted lives, and were directly responsible for the pigeon detectives. All of this brings us round to what is probably Albert Sr.'s best song, and one which featured impossibly the strangest plagiarism dispute ever, and means that all accusations of naffness can forever be wafted away with an airy, legally binding gesture. Back in the early 90s, a bunch of nervous public schoolboys were gathered in a studio to record their first album. During the break, they played a song their frontman had written by copying a favourite hit of his and supplying alternate lyrics. The producer liked it and was told, It's our Scott Walker song and took that to mean it was a cover and recorded it. Zillions of career-establishing copies later, Hammond's publisher heard Radiohead admit in an interview that their breakthrough emo anthem Creep was in fact, in chord sequence and melody, The Air That I Breathe, made famous by the Hollies. It had featured on Albert's first album, and also been recorded by Phil Everly before Manchester's lush harmonisers got their hands on it and made their way into Tom York's consciousness. 
Following an amicable exchange of bits of legalese, Tom and Chums handed Albert a third of the credits. Not that he needed the cash, as he was busy concentrating on having a string of hits in South America at the time. In fact, Albert Hammond's version is probably the nicest of the lot. It's simple, uncluttered, and he's a shrewd enough performer to avoid the hypoxia-inducing long notes at the end of the chorus, unlike my friend Phil. You see, I've always liked that song. It's just the right side of the epic-slash-pompous line, and the words make sense without being simplistic. One Sunday afternoon, a friend rang me to say he was booked to perform at Wakefield's historic Chantry Chapel for some old dears at a fundraiser, but was having to pull out at the last minute. Could me and Phil step in? There being barely time to get there, let alone rehearse, I snatched up a book of 70s standards and 20 minutes later we were in front of the audience. Things would end very badly when we got, alphabetically, to W for Whole lot of Rosie, which, safe to say, wasn't composed with acoustic guitar in mind, but we kicked off safely enough with A for Air That I Breathe. The lush chord sequence plus simple tune on the verse were going down well when, thinking ahead, I made the pragmatic decision to pull out of the final note and head for covering the chords. Phil, more ambitious than I, took a breath and went for it. As his face turned the colour of a black eye and several of the front row's shoulders tensed visibly, there was, it seemed, insufficient air to breathe to carry it off, but, trooper that he is, he followed it through. And again in the next two choruses. Albert Hammond's sensible decision to put musical discretion before valour pays dividends, and the original would rank as one of the greats were it not for a drummer and electric guitarist, seemingly late for the session, crashing into the third chorus before being presumably beaten into silence by the producer in time for a final plaintive solo verse at the end. Ironically, in Creep, Radiohead's Johnny Greenwood crashes in similarly, two bars early, with a pair of clunking assaults on his distressed fender in a manner stylized enough to make it part of the song. It's fashionable to refer to anything which lacks sense or structure as a journey, but one forgotten song seems to have done just that. Have we learned anything on the way? Well, for one, our response to art changes over time. I never even thought about what the song meant, but once I did, I wanted to heave the singer off a cliff. Then, once the chore of research had disabused me of my prejudice, I was into the world of songwriters we often dismiss as hacks, who were actually unheralded craftsmen and women of the finest sort. Finally, we enter a state of grace where notions of hip are forced to give way to admiration of the amount of talent and hard work it takes to be a hack. So here's to the hacks. They're a lot more interesting than geniuses, and they usually manage to get things done. Over to you, Albert. If I could make a wish, I think I'd pass. Can't think of anything I need. No cigarettes, no sleep, no light, no sound Nothing to eat, no books to read Maybe 
love with you has left me peaceful, warm, and tired. What more could I ask? There's nothing left to be desired. Peace came upon me and it leaves me Love the control, love the command, love the spacebar and the hard return. Love the words from East Leeds FM. Switzerland, oh Switzerland, oh 
Switzerland, oh Switzerland Don't show off, don't think you're something special Don't make yourself the center of attention Responsible one, the eldest of your siblings You must be good and never show your feelings In Switzerland, oh Switzerland And remember the recorder is a modest thing It does not sing an instrument of limited expressive range Learn it in a day, child's play Play your recorder as a hobby Says Switzerland Oh Switzerland Chuva cair 